Welcome to On the Record with Tiffany. There are heroes throughout San Antonio, men and women that go the extra mile to make lives better. During the next hour, you'll be inspired as we introduce you to these unsung heroes. And now here's your host, Tiffany Jones-Smith. And we're back with another episode of On the Record with Tiffany. And we have a have some breaking news. On the Record with Tiffany is not only going to be featured here on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, but also on TAN TV, the African American Network, and WOAI, and KBB29. So welcome to our new partners. Thank you so much for being uh, gracious enough to partner with us. And we hope to put some more great content out there for our audience. Well, today we have one of my favorite representatives, uh, Barbara Jervin Hawkins. She's with us today to talk about all of the great things that she's doing for the, the state of Texas. Representative Hawkins has been at the forefront of the fight against voter suppression. Representative Hawkins... I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that. Welcome to On the Record with Tiffany. Thank you, Tiffany. I'm happy to be here. And, you know, I'm so happy to share uh, the whole idea of the voter suppression bill and what we had to do as legislators, because I really believe in informing the people. I think when people understand uh, things a lot better, they're able to see the actions, particularly of their elected officials. And as a state representative, I really feel it's my fiduciary responsibility to educate the folks. So we can start with you asking a few questions, or you could just say, hey, go rep, and I'll, I'll do either one. How would you like to proceed, Tiffany? Lady, uh, I'm going to say go rep. <laughs> <laughs> Something I say often <laughs> when we're in various forums. <laughs> but you go, because really, you you have done so much to serve Every constituent that you have, you always serve all of the people and not just some of the people. So let's let all of our constituents hear what you have to say. Well, first of all, I want to say um, that it's important that everyone understand as a state rep, even though I represent District 120 specifically, which is the east and northeast side of San Antonio, I'm a state rep in the state house. So I'm mm-hmm. one of 150 that re- represents the entire state of Texas. So we have to work together to make sure that d- we do what's in the best interest of Texans. So this session, which is the 87th legislative session, has been very difficult, very mm-hmm. difficult. It's been difficult because there's been issues set before us that truly, truly, indeed, has a negative impact on people overall, not just people of color, but everyone. And as Tiffany said, I represent everyone. I love all the people that I serve and represent, my constituency base. And sometimes, Tiffany, as you know, as an African-American, people type class you as only looking out for your own. No Mm -hmm. doubt I love my people, and I'm going to look out for them. But I love all the people that I serve, and I feel it's my responsibility to properly represent. So in the State House, uh, Senate Bill 1, which started off, as House Bill 3, which is the voter suppression bill that focuses on four key factors I like to highlight that have an adverse effect on our community. Number one, it puts more restrictions on mail-in ballots. We know that our senior citizens do do mail-in ballots a lot. It's their right uh, uh, to do mail-in ballots. People that are senior, 65 and older, or disabled. So what this bill proposes to do is say, let's say that you registered to vote 15, 20 years ago and you use your uh, your driver's license. Mm-hmm. Now you're 80, 82. You're not driving. You don't have a license and you want to vote and you send in a mail-in ballot. But you use your Social Security number because, number one, you forgot what you did 20 years ago and you don't <laughs> have a license. All right. So that ballot has to be put aside and can be thrown out. Because now you've shown two different forms of ID. So one of the pieces that I asked for was an amendment to at least allow people an opportunity to cure that ballot, any mistake on that ballot. Well, uh, that was partially put in, but 
it leaves us up to the election board to say only if we have time, only if we have time will we review and allow a person to correct. Well, I believe anybody who submits a ballot on time, their ballot should count. There should be no discretion of you may count it or you may not. The other thing is criminalizing people who vote that didn't know they couldn't vote. One of the key cases is Crystal Mason out of Houston, Texas. Crystal is facing five years imprisonment. She was an ex-felon who was given instructions of what she can and cannot do, which you normally are given, i.e., you can't be around uh, other people that are other felons. Uh You can't carry a weapon, drugs, all that kind of stuff. It never says she couldn't vote. So the last day of early voting, her mom told her, go vote. Girl, you got to go vote. Uh She went and voted and was given a provisional ballot that didn't even count. Now she's facing five years imprisonment because they say she voted illegal. That's just pure wrong. So when we look at criminalizing people for exercising their right to vote, that's a problem. The other thing that we have to look at is they're saying that if you assist someone to vote, you and a sister, they call it in the bill, you have to sign an affidavit that you did not coerce or tell that person who to vote for. And what's your relationship with that person? And uh, think about it. You're doing a signed affidavit. So let's say your neighbor who's elderly and you normally take her to vote. And now signing that assister affidavit, you have to say you didn't talk to her or coerce her or do any of those type of things. That's wrong because a lot of people need help. Either they can't read uh, because they may be, speak a different language or they just may not be able to read because they didn't go through school. So to criminalize an assister. And then the fourth one, which is truly egregious, If someone comes into the election uh, poll and harass you, so they can look over my shoulder. So let's say a proud boy comes into the poll and and is is all African-American. He comes in with his his, uh, paraphernalia paraphernalia and acting mean. The election judge cannot put him out, him or her, unless she personally saw it herself. So everybody else in the polling place could have seen this person harassing voters, but the election judge can't put them out unless they see it themselves. Once they see it, they have to give a warning. And then secondly, they can call the police. Well, it's all about voter intimidation. If someone's Mm -hmm. looking over your shoulder, if someone's harassing you about your vote, that's wrong. If someone's stopping you, uh, from putting forth that piece of ID that you have, even though you can prove it's you, and you don't have an opportunity to cure, that's a problem. A lot of this was focused around Houston. You know, Houston had a massive turnout mm-hmm. because of the mail-in ballots and the drop boxes. They did that because of the pandemic. Study shows that who used those drop boxes was 60% women because guess what? They had kids in the back seat. So mm-hmm. that means they didn't have to get out their car. So we were accommodating people, encouraging people to vote. With the, with the voter suppression bill, it's, time, it's, it's trying to discourage people, criminalizing them, making it harder, saying if you make a mistake, you can go to jail. That scares people away. But I'll tell you, Tiffany, what I'm hopeful of, we use this as a reason to show up and show out exactly. so that if we're able to take the House, potentially the Senate next session, we can turn all this around. So my, my plea is people, again, not just black and brown people, but all people who know that voting is our right, our constitutional and God-given right to vote, should know this, it should not be suppressed. And so when we have people in office, for them it's all about power, power, maintaining power. They've even put in a provision that they can overturn elections. Think about that. So one of our most sacred and precious society uh, opportunities is now hampered with people who say they want to stay in power. Instead of winning the minds and hearts of the people and bringing in constituents, they want to make it harder and have less people vote so they can stay in power. And that's a problem. So when we broke quorum, we had to, to sit there and hear this. They have the numbers. They have the majority numbers. So our bodies was just being used to make quorum, to get this bad piece of legislation enacted in the great state of Texas and across the country, those states who have that belief that we had a fraudulent election. 
which we all know wasn't because no one, no one has presented evidence. Even Rudy Giuliani, he talked about it's coming, it's coming. Well, guess what? It's going on two years. If there was evidence of massive fraud, somebody would have been able to show it by now, and they haven't. So that's a problem. So when we, we left the, the floor of the house, we said we have no other tool in our toolbox, and that was to break quorum so that they could not vote. We, it was 56 of us, 56 soldiers who walked out of that building saying, this isn't right. You're not hearing our input. You're not hearing what will hurt our people or our constituents. So we're leaving. We stayed away 30 days. Uh, the first was to end the session. The bill died. We then, uh, we left on May 31st. Then we went through the special, first special, and killed that. Now we're in the second session, a special session. So you can see how important this is. If people, the, if the governor said, I will call you back until what I want is done, that tells you how horrible this can be. The one man can have that much power. We even went to the Supreme Court, which five of the six members were appointed by the governor. And so they were able to, in one day, turn around an injunction. And we know the Supreme Court doesn't work that fast. One day, the Supreme Court, when they put out a warrant for our arrest, and we went to the Supreme Court to say, this is not, not constitutional, it's not right. And one day, they, they, they turned it around, the temporary restraining order. Under what grounds were they putting out a warrant for your arrest? So there, there is a rule and a procedure on the uh, that's in the rule book that's called, we're going to put a call on the house. Mm-hmm. But what it does, the call on the house mandates legislators to be there to make warm. And so only the speaker of the house can call that. So when he did a call on the house and he did that based on pressure from his membership, that then allowed them to put out what we call a civil, something that's equal to a civil warrant. Now, can they cart us off to jail? No. What they do is they come when they is they it was really uh, uh, mainly undercover agents and stuff come to your house, come to your job. And they came out. And guess what? Some families were intimidated by all of this. And then they can ask you to come back to the floor of the house. So, you know, our question to our attorneys is, can they manhandle you? Can you, you know, handcuff you? Well, naturally, anybody who's ever dealt with law enforcement, it's according to the mood of the officer. You know, so to put us in jeopardy like that by putting a call on the house, making our families so afraid. And here's the worst part, Tiffany. You know, there's there's people out there that are not nice. We were getting uh, wanted signs. Some of our members had their picture on wanted signs that said it was a $2,500 bounty on anybody who would arrest one of us. Even at my office, my state office, a young uh, Trump supporter came in his truck with his flag. Just so happened by the grace of God, Tiffany, I was not there. But the maintenance man was there. And he had to ward that young man out who came to try to hurt me, to take me back to the house to win his $2,500 bounty. So when things like that happen, unintentional consequences happen. We were all been in danger by people who feel they want to enforce an unjust uh, rule. So it's been a challenge for us. The You're not the first person that I've heard say some of the supporters of the former president have a tendency to get violent. Oh, yeah. Or attempt to intimidate. How, you know, watching our, you've been in this, in in politics for a while. How does this time that we're living in right now differ from what you thought you were entering into? Well, I always knew just on my age, you know, that there's always been racism and disparities. Okay. I've always known that. I grew up in that. I was probably a first-generation college student, uh, the only black in, in all of my classes, basically, mm-hmm. uh, when I, uh, in my undergrad years. So I always knew that there was something going on. But I always had faith in systems. I always had faith in our higher-ups. Even though I may not have agreed with them, I felt that they would, number one, uphold the law, and number two, understand the value of the rule of law for everybody, not just for some. 
So what I thought I was coming into is an environment that was not equal, but at least rational, mm-hmm. you know, rational to be able to say, hey, th- we know what's wrong and right. Let's do what's right. Mm-hmm. But to be in an environment where power dictates how one act. And I'll tell you, Tiffany, what's so hurtful is this is uh, finishing up my third session, right? Mm-hmm. We pray together as, as members. Every day we pray. We, we say the pledge, not only to the U.S. flag, but the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. Because even though I'm from Michigan, I've, I've grown over my 41 years to love the great state of Texas and what it represents. So every day we unify. When people's loved ones pass away or there's trouble in the family, we're there for them. And to see them in lockstep to deliberately hurt the people that we all love and care about it's been a, it just uh, something that I would never have fathomed. But I feel that I must stay and be a part of hopefully changing some of the minds and hearts of some of these folks who believe that power is before everything else. So it's different. One of the reasons why I brought you on is because uh, something that I see over and over again, and I don't know that that my audience sees this, but I'm going to gonna inform them about it because every time I'm with you in, a, in any setting, you always bring in people from all different backgrounds. I've, I've been on your, your uh, power breakfast, and you bring in Republicans and Democrats alike to discuss yeah. the issues of the day, which is what... Politics is supposed to be both sides coming together to come to an agreement about what's going to be done because the job is not Republican or Democrat. The job is to serve Texans. So that's why, and I want my listeners to to open your ears, your minds, and your hearts as you're listening to what Representative Jervis Hawkins is saying because... She represents what politics are supposed to be in the United States, and that is to serve all of the constituents all of the time. And that means reaching out to both sides of the fence, and that means uh, giving a pound, uh, giving a slap on the hand when when something isn't right for constituents. So uh, and you, l- let's listen and some more. You, and you're so right, Tiffany. For me, it's about all God's children, mm-hmm. okay? It doesn't matter the party. The reality is, let's have a healthy conversation. Mm-hmm. We all may have different positions. If one's from the North or from the South, one is Baptist or Catholic, one is Presbyterian or Muslim, none of that really should matter because we're all God's children. We all bleed blood. We all have the organs to function as a human being. So, But when we come together, knowing that we're all God's children and we set aside our own, I'll call them our own isms. (laughs) 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 And we speak to the power in terms of what we need to do to create a, a, a society that all people can be successful and can function. Because I'll tell you, as an educator, Tiffany, over these past 30 years, I loved all my children. I didn't just look at them and saw the chocolate face or the vanilla face, you know, or the white face. What I saw was individuals who had promise, who had dreams. How could I pour seeds into them to become a great human being? Because all of us uh, recognize and remember that wonderful teacher we had. Mm -hmm. You know, we know that one who gave us heck and that one that got on our nerves. But we also remember that one who showed us love who gave us a few words of encouragement, who was able to help us keep strong during difficult times. So I represent all the people and will continue to do that. I work across the aisle. That's how as uh, I I won freshman of the year from the Black Caucus my first year. And that's how I'm able to get bills passed because I work across the aisle. I'm not saying it's my way or the highway. I'm saying let's come together for the greater good, for the common cause to make a, a better society for all people. And that's my motto. And I stand by that. 
And you, I've watched you stand by that, live by that, act by that in many different ways. Uh, most recently, we were, we were uh, talking about how uh, to promote businesses and how to get, get uh, the economic engine that is our, our state moving. You know, and often we tend to to want to take uh, an interest in economics as being related to the Republican Party, but every everybody on both sides has an interest in our economic well-being as a nation. For sure, and which should be because every man or, or woman wants to take care of their household. That's number mm-hmm. one. All of us have vision and dreams. Whether we're successful or not, be it the great restaurant, the great nightclub, or just a finance business, we all have those dreams that can be realized. So for me, let's create the on-ramp, the opportunity, the connectivity for anybody who wants to try something that we're able to open those doors and give them that chance. And what I've realized too, Tiffany, particularly, I call it a pilgrimage to D.C. where we went to during the corn break. And I was able to meet Representative Joe Barber, who's, who's, you know, front and center on the poverty movement, you know, the war on poverty. And what I realized, and even his message has been all races, because poverty is not just for people of color. There's a whole lot of other folks that are in poverty, too. Look at our homeless population, how it's growing. And that's one of those other pieces of legislation, Tiffany, that hurt us, criminalizing mm-hmm. homelessness. So now if an officer walks up on a homeless encampment, he must, he don't even have discretion, he must give that that homeless person a $500 fine. Well, if I'm homeless, how am I going to pay the fine? Mm -hmm. So now you're mounting up so many fines on me, pretty soon it becomes a misdemeanor. And so instead of dealing with the homeless issue, we're criminalizing homeless people. If they stood before the judge and the judge said, what's your crime? Being homeless. And to me, that is so, so wrong. And we need to address the homeless problem also. There seems to be a running theme here. Oh, if, if we don't like this, let's just criminalize it. Everything cannot be criminalized. Well, Tiffany, you know, one of the reasons, and again, this is where power and, and uh, underlining things happen. Think about Texas as one of the, 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 the states that have private prisons, the greatest number of private prisons. It's become an economic generator off the backs of people. So you go into, you ride through a lot of these little small towns. It is the main employer. You've got the 24-hour guards. you got the food service. you got the maintenance. you got on and on and on. So when it comes to money and power, it can corrupt some people. So if now they're saying, hey, we're trying to stop people from going to jail, they found a new population, which is the homeless, which we all know many of them. And, and, and I don't like painting homeless in a broad brush because there's v- different reasons why people are homeless. Right. You've got people down on their luck. You've got people who are kids that were abandoned. You've got mental illness. You've got mm-hmm. veterans. I'm a big believer that we've got to dissect this big challenge we have as a society. Mm-hmm. And if we have to bring mobile units to those homeless encampments to try to connect people to services and opportunity, we need to do that. We can create a mobile unit to, to go around and, 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 do, and do entertainment. We can create a mobile unit, a technology lab. We need to create mobile units for homelessness where they can go and build, and build trust within that population that they now can coordinate and hopefully get these people some services. Well, I, I think that that warrants a conversation between uh, you and and the wonderful uh, Tommy Calvert. Commissioner Calvert has has come up with some some innovative ideas on dealing with the homeless population. One of them being a, a village of little little tiny homes that they give to to the homeless to begin with, and then bring services in to to help them. I mean, there are so many innovative things that can be done for each. Each of the things that you've mentioned that we should do um, and that have nothing to do with criminalizing that, <laughs> the populations that, that need to be served. That's correct. And, and we can get away from that. I mean, think about even masks. You know, when we think about masks uh, and our governor trying to mandate that, 
conversation. Okay. And I'm thinking you now want to take superintendent's salaries away or money from schools because they want to keep the kids safe. So you want to criminalize a superintendent now for taking care of the kids that he served. That's wrong. Everything. I agree with you. Representative Hawkins, I want to talk to you a little bit more about this subject, about masks and what's going on in our state in regards to masking. Um, We're going to take a moment and take a little break. Thank you for watching On the Record with Tiffany here on 930 AM The Answer, for listening on 930 AM The Answer, for watching on TAN TV and on WOAI and KBV 29. Thank you for joining us today, and we will be back with another episode of On the Record with Tiffany. I'm Tiffany Smith, Chief Executive Officer of the Texas Kidney Foundation, and I'm here to talk to you about your kidney health. Health is the most important asset we possess. COVID-19 has exposed the unhealthy nature of our population. One in three Americans are at risk for chronic kidney disease. In absolute numbers, that translates into about 600,000 San Antonians. Have you been diagnosed with diabetes? Have you been diagnosed with hypertension? Do you take blood pressure medicine? Do you have heart disease? Have you experienced heart failure? Do you have a history of dialysis or kidney failure in your family? If you said yes to two or more of those questions, you need to come and see us. Are you a part of that one in three? Is your sister, is your brother, is your mother? Texas Kidney Foundation offers free screenings. All you have to do is go to our website, www.txkidney.org. Check out our free screenings. You can either come to our office for an in-office visit, or we can come to you. You can schedule a screening or go to a screening near you. And we're back with another episode of On the Record with Tiffany uh, here on 9.30 a.m. The Answer and on our affiliates, TAN TV, WOAI, and KBB 29. I have with me one of my favorite people, Representative Barbara Jervin Hawkins. Representative Hawkins, now... I love talking to you. I can talk to you 10 times a week. Uh, But I want to talk to you today about the Voter Rights March. You just just completed the Voter Rights March. We, We just had a march on the Department of Justice, something that we have not seen since uh, civil rights, and you were out there getting into some good, you've been out all over the state of Texas getting into good trouble with uh, fighting bad legislation. <laughs> Can you tell me what you thought about <laughs> about well, this, this march? This march was important for a couple of reasons. Number one, to bring awareness to the whole voter suppression conversation. That's number one. And people say, justice, why are the, the march at the Justice Department? Well, one of the things that's part of the, uh, the remedy we believe to fix the statewide or this countrywide by various states initiative to suppress voting is to get a, a, a federal piece of legislation passed mm-hmm. to make sure that we have a unified form and oversight body. So at the Department of Justice, if indeed a state shows uh, consistent discriminatory practices, then any, any initiatives that they try to implement have to go to the state level for a review for the Department of Justice. Mm -hmm. So we're asking the Department of Justice to step in. We're also asking right now the president and the vice president to step up and help us get federal legislation passed for uh, the voting rights. And so the march was was symbolic of the many people across the country who were saying, White House or Mr. President, please have an LBJ moment. Step up, 
do something that's not popular. And for those young people who don't know what LBJ did in 1965, I need y'all to go to Google or wherever you go, whatever format, look it up. <laughs> As he said, sometimes it's hard to get some things done, but you got to get it done. And he quoted our hero, we shall overcome because he knew it was the right thing to do when he signed that bill into law, even though he didn't feel that he could get the support once it was laid out to the people and he was able to sell it to the congressional folks and the, and the senators, he was able to get that legislation passed. We're needing Biden to do the same thing right now. We need that LBJ moment, Tiffany, where he can step up and help get federal legislation. That will keep the states from having these disparities in elections. And I want to share with you real quickly what happened in Georgia, because I don't know if enough people know about it. Well, Stacey Abrams ran for governor, okay? She ran against the man who was the attorney general who was doing the elections, okay? Mm -hmm. So the man you're running against controls the election. He threw out 304,000 votes and 50,000 mail-in ballots. We know that's unfair. So cheating is one thing, but when you're cheating in plain sight, there's no way he should have been controlling that election. That should have been handed off. If you're running for election, why should you be the one administering the election? Okay? Yeah, you accuse yourself from something like that. Anybody- no doubt about it. That's the right thing to do. That's the right thing. And he refused to do that. So the march itself symbolized what we need to do in terms of getting our federal partners involved. And also, that was one part of the march. There were several marches in Washington this past weekend. <laughs> it was also the Poor People's March. You know, bring it to the forefront, because as we talk about homelessness, hey, we can't leave our poverty. We can't Uh leave our poverty. Look at the rents in some of our states. You look at California, people living in motor homes and things like that because they can't afford to rent. So we've priced ourselves out of uh, just people having what we'll call just a a normal living. Uh But yet we're, we're refusing to up the minimum wage. Come on now. Who can operate off of $8 an hour? Multiply by 40 hours, $320 a week. That's before taxes. You can't pay anything. You can't pay rent. You can't buy food. And we're wondering why we have the criminal element growing and we're having the homeless population growing. It's hard out here. And so we've got to get back to taking care of people. And I'm talking social programs. And Tiffany, a lot of people don't like to hear about that. Social Mm -hmm. programs. But guess what? They work. And in America right now, based on all the things we've neglected through the years, not just infrastructure in terms of the bridges and the roads, but we've also neglected people, the people that need our help. And so we've got to get back to really understanding social programs aren't a negative. They are safety net. And we need to structure them to help give people that leg up or those bootstraps that they need to move forward. And those social programs were made specifically to be safety nets. They That's were made for, for a time like this because if, you know, it's not to be forgotten that we're in the middle of a pandemic, an unprecedented time where 41% of black businesses have closed, just closed their doors completely. Um, we've lost business across the United States. So economically, we've been devastated. And when 41% of of any population closes business, then that means jobs are lost. So what are those families that were dependent upon those jobs to do? That is why we have a safety net. No doubt. And you know what, Tiffany, what's interesting, and particularly to your, your your listeners, and I'm glad you have such a diverse audience, is this. Think about this. You know, we, we cry about the mom who may have uh, defrauded the government $158 for food stamps. But yet we have folks at the top who are getting people involved in, in investment scams, still in millions. OK, mm-hmm. when car when car companies get in trouble, we do the bailouts. How come we aren't bailing people out, you know? And so that disparity of thought really troubles me because I think those who don't like social programs, the abuse side of social programs is so minuscule that let's not kill the, 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 the good looking for the perfect. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's those folks that are always going to misuse a program, right? But don't take that 2 to 3% and now hurt 97% because you don't like social programs. I think they're important, be it on the business side, and that's large business, medium, small, and on the people side. That's the government's role. And if you remember World War II, that's when <coughs> they allowing women to work because the husbands were going to war. Okay? And so a lot of things transformed during that period because of the times. And as you said earlier, as a time such as this, we need to be innovative, creative, and start working together for the greater good. Representative Hawkins, we've been talking about what what you are doing to unify the great state of Texas, unify all of your constituents. Can you talk a little bit more about your role in doing that with voter voter rights suppression well again tiffany uh you know voting is such a precious uh opportunity for all of us and we all should be engaged and encourage people to be engaged so for me what i've been able to do is work with my colleagues uh to ensure that uh we can hopefully minimize uh bad legislation but this session has been the worst it's been Mm -hmm. terrifying this 87th legislative session, my colleagues across the aisle are hell-bent on voter suppression initiatives. They're following a model that's been used across the country uh, over these last few months. And so for me, educating my folks so that they can know what's going on, encouraging them to contact not just their local officials, but also their state and federal officials to weigh in on what's going on. We do look at emails. We do look at letters. We do look at tweets and things like that. So it's important to get the message out uh, to to your elected officials to let them know how you feel on, on pieces of legislation. That's So educating, encouraging, and also doing what I can, uh, and the walkout was part of that, to make that statement and take the fight to that national level that we're pleading with the Congress and the Senate to make sure that indeed, if we can't do something on the local state level, we can do something on the federal level. We talk with Joe Manchin, we talk to most of the senators, we talk to the, a, a lot of the congressional people. They're on board with it, and we're hopeful that if not before Labor Day, which is right after, there will be a vote to vote out, hopefully, either the, the, the John Lewis a Voters' Right Act or the for the people. We we are really hopeful that something can happen and that our quorum break nets into something good. So I've been working, Tiffany, very hard to make sure that I keep my, my colleagues that are like-minded, that we stay together, to continue and, the fight. And I'm thankful to you for, for bringing people together and making sure that all of our rights are are held intact. Um, there's a, I mean, you've been busy because there's the uh, the gun laws, House Bill 1927, the the uh, the the gun laws that are that are uh, up for debate now. What do you what do you think about that? Because we've got all these people out there. It's one of the worst situations, and again, that's why I say, Tiffany, this has been probably one of the worst sessions that most people have seen in in, in, in Texas history. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about permanent carry, I want you to know, Tiffany, I went to the bill author, and I said, sir, why would you put forth a bill that says people don't need training, they don't have to have a permit to uh, carry a gun? Now, I'll tell you, law enforcement is against it. So mm-hmm. here's a, a, a colleague on the other side of the aisle that says they love the police. Now you're putting more guns on the street without a tracking mechanism to be able to harm even more law enforcement. It's a problem. So for me, I'm like, and he had the audacity, the audacity to tell me, well, it's going to help black people. I said, how's that? He said, well, now the police just can't stop them. I said, sir, if indeed, indeed, folks that look like me are shot with a shiny cell phone, can you imagine if officers walk up on a group of young folks, young uh, people of color or poverty people 
to have guns, they're going to shoot and ask questions later. Exactly. Okay. So we've put our, our law enforcement in, in harm's way. We've elevated it. We're saying that people can go get guns and don't need a permit and don't need training. To me, that's out and out wrong. There's no argument to say that that's a good thing. We want less guns on the street, not more. Now, I want to go back to something that you just said, and I fully agree with that. Actions. Look at the actions of the people that are talking to you. Right now, we have a Senate that is fully vaccinated, yet we have senators, and I'm talking about the U.S. Senate, we have senators who are, who are telling citizens it's your right not to get vaccinated. Well, now that's a true statement. It's your right not to get vaccinated. But the very individuals who are telling you that and telling you that you should go out and exercise that right have decided themselves to get vaccinated. We have to start paying attention to the actions and not the words of the people that are talking to us because words can deceive. Actions show you exactly what a person is about. What are they doing? Not what they're saying. What are they doing? And no, and no doubt, Tiffany, and I'll tell you, we don't even have to go to D.C. I'm going to tell you what's happening in the state house here. So the Senate, on the Senate side, there's 31 senators and the lieutenant gov. They all have to be uh, tested, vaccinated, and guess what? You can't even go on the Senate floor unless you get tested that day. I wanted to visit some senators to help carry me carry pieces of legislation for me. I had to go get uh, tested and or show that I have I have been vaccinated. Okay, they wouldn't even let me in the door. On the House side, which is just across the rotunda, masks are not required, vaccinations not required, and you don't have to show proof of anything. So the House of Representatives truly do not represent the people. If, you, if people get a chance, they need to really look at the live streaming and see all of those guys walking around there with no mask. There's been over 12 legislators who have had COVID, okay? And still, no mask, no vaccination mandate, no oversight or anything. Now, that gets me to our children. Mm-hmm. You know, for our governor to step up and step in, and say schools can't do X, Y, and Z, that's wrong. If parents want to protect their children from a, from a virus, and obviously, and I want to say this loud and clear, Tiffany, this virus is bad. Mm-hmm. I knew this back in December of 2019 when our professional leagues start shutting down. You don't mm-hmm. shut billion-dollar businesses down unless it's something out there. Mm-hmm. So. You know, when billion-dollar businesses start shutting down, you know this is worse than what we've been told. Look at the hundreds of thousands of people that have died. Mm -hmm. This is bad news. And so I think about growing up, we were vaccinated for polio uh, and other things. It was mandatory. We've got to look at this vaccination at the same. It ain't just about you, but it's about grandma. It's about your mother, it's about your siblings, it's about your neighbors, and it's about the community. They've already told us the effectiveness of it is high. We've already seen the results of it. People that have been vaccinated is less likely to go to the ER. Uh We need to make this happen. Having rights and being, I won't call it stupid, but I would call uncaring. Uh Uncaring. Insensitive. Mm -hmm. Yes. Insensitive, correct. Fighting this this virus has been, um, experiencing a pandemic, has been upending for most most Americans, for everybody across the world. Everyone is experiencing, you know, unprecedented depression, illness, uh, all related to the pandemic. To hear someone make a statement like what our Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick made, saying that that the reason that the state of Texas is experiencing the spike we're in right now uh, in in COVID vaccine, uh, in COVID-19 infections is because of unvaccinated African-Americans. 
What did you think when you heard that incendiary com- comment? Well, you know, Tiffany, I'm a individual that's very optimistic and I give people a little pass if they make a mistake. I believe, uh, you know, again, in the glass being half full. So I'm going to assume what he meant was black people were suffering more because we have more unvaccinated people. But people need to know we have to go back into the history of how black Americans was used as guinea pigs. Mm-hmm. And we can go back to the Tuskegee uh, uh, research project that dealt with syphilis and how they killed many of those black men over years. Also, black people are, are, are afraid of systems and those systems have not been fair, true, or honest. So the apprehension is there. So all I can say to about to our uh, Lieutenant Gov is this, he's misinformed. Mm-hmm. If you looked at the data and looked at the numbers to see who truly are being impacted, I think he would change his statement. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things, Tiffany, we have to realize too, as black Americans, sometimes we're used as the blame or the excuse for things going wrong. Okay. And so it's so easy to point that out rather than mm-hmm. saying not only just black San Antonio, I mean, Texans, which think about it, we make up about 23% of the Texas population. So mm-hmm. what's the vaccination rate of the other, you know, 87%. Mm-hmm. And so to pick out 23% and say, you're at fault, even though over half of your people are vaccinated. Okay. But the others aren't, as we know, is just misinformation. So I'm a, I'm a believe as an optimistic woman that he misspoke and it wasn't clear exactly what he meant because it was obvious he has not looked at the data. Well, you are, are um, definitely diplomatic because this is, would not be his first time misspeaking. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, <clears throat> beyond that, uh, when you look at, at what's happening with us, um, in terms of our, our vaccination rates. What do you want to see uh, Texans doing? What I'd, like to see, what I'd like to see is um, that we highly encourage everyone to, to wear masks. I am a big believer in people's rights. Mm-hmm. So I'm not one to buy into you mandate people. I believe keeping govern, government out of people's homes and especially their bedrooms too. So mm-hmm. I'm a big believer, but I also believe the way we do it is we promote it. You know, we put money behind all type of advertising. McDonald's ain't number one because it got the best hamburgers. Heck, back in the day, it did the best advertising, okay? Mm-hmm. We need- Mark Outings has the best hamburgers, but... There you go. <laughs> I love the jalapeno burger over there, cheeseburger. Okay. There. <laughs> I can't get enough of Mark's. <laughs> so the reality is I believe people do have rights. But I do believe when you win the minds and hearts of the people, Tiffany, they will follow. And we have to continue the educational program, the marketing program, and, and, and helping people walk through this journey. I've seen a lot of young people who are well misinformed, who are misinformed about the vaccine. They thought of, they're putting a chip in your arm and it make, uh, keep, uh, make you sterile for the future. So people have come up with a lot of uh, myths We've got to dispel those myths, not discount them, but dispel them. Because one thing one of my colleagues across the aisle told me one last, last session, Tiffany, when we were debating the subject, and he says, I have an opinion too. And you know what I did? I stepped back, Tiffany, and I say, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. But those things that we can come together on, let's come together on. On this, the deadliness of it, we need to man. we need to encourage, mass, educate, and market that is the, the, the right thing to do. And I believe we'll win the minds and hearts of the people. Barbara Jervins Hawkins, thank you for coming and being on On the Record with Tiffany. I think you're, uh, now, of course, I think you're top drawer and one of the best women that I know and that I have the, the pleasure of, of spending time with. You've been listening to On the Record with Tiffany. Come back 
We have much, much more to talk about this this year. This this is going to be a great end of the year, and let's get together and spend some time together. We're more alike than we are different. Our guest today proved that. She's doing work across the state for all of the constituents, not just the constituents in the 120th district, but the constituents of Texas and the constituents of these United States. So thank you for joining. Thank you for listening to us today. And come on back next week to listen to On the Record with Tiffany. We can be found on 930 AM, The Answer, TAN TV, WOAI, or KBB 29. Check us out. You've been enjoying On the Record with Tiffany. We encourage you to share these stories with friends and family. You can listen to other shows by going to 930amtheanswer.com. And join us next week for On the Record with Tiffany on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Tiffany Smith, Chief Executive Officer of the Texas Kidney Foundation. And I'm here to talk to you about your kidney health. Health is the most important asset we possess. COVID-19 has exposed the unhealthy nature of our population. One in three Americans are at risk for chronic kidney disease. In absolute numbers, that translates into about 600,000 San Antonians. Have you been diagnosed with diabetes? Have you been diagnosed with hypertension? Do you take blood pressure medicine? Do you have heart disease? Have you experienced heart failure? Do you have a history of dialysis? or kidney failure in your family? If you said yes to two or more of those questions, you need to come and see us. Are you a part of that one in three? Is your sister, is your brother, is your mother? Texas Kidney Foundation offers free screenings. All you have to do is go to our website, www.txkidney.org. Check out our free screenings. You can either come to our office for an in-office visit, or we can come to you. You can schedule a screening or go to a screening near you.